BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There is a disagreement on one quarterback or the other. Is it you you have the final say, so you have the final pick? No, I I look at it as Frank and I will make that decision. Um, I I don't anticipate that at all. You know, I haven't yet asked him yet, but we were laughing the other day because it's becoming clear for us, you know, maybe a certain way that we want to go or, you know, who it may be. But uh, I, I don't anticipate it being an issue. No, it's not an issue at all. Not an issue at all. Final say belongs to the guy who signs the checks, folks. That's who's got final say. The challenge for Scott Fitter and Frank Reich is to figure out what the guy who signs the checks wants without him having to reduce himself to telling anyone, go do this. It's billionaire's privilege. Multi-billionaire's privilege. The kind of billionaire who could write a check for, I don't know, $787.5 million and not even miss it. That's what David Tepper's got. You listen to <laughs> David funny. Tepper. You You're do fine. what David Tepper wants. Well, what? I just picked a random number. Yeah, random. I picked a random, random number that has no connection whatsoever to any current events right. at all. Right. Yep. Kind of a big Hi. thing yesterday. Hey, how are you? Um, no, I, I mean, I hear about. you. Good morning. I hear you. No, good morning. You're right. I mean, they got to they gotta be careful and, and, and try to uh, appeal to the owner, appease the owner. But I think also, too, like their job is if the owner's like crazy and they're he wants somebody wrong. They have to learn, you know, they got to find the way to communicate, talk to them, teach them, and show them maybe what they want too or why they think their guy makes Good sense. Good luck. Right? I know. Good luck. We'll see. But it does, ha- it does happen. We know that. But this is, uh, yeah, it's an interesting situation because the owner, you know, is very involved in this situation and we know how much he wants a quarterback and he's been involved in this the last few years. So I'm sure he talks a little bit more than the normal average owner. By the way, do you ever wake up in the morning and not know what day it is? And if you do, how long does it take for you to figure it out? Mm, I mean, no, that doesn't happen to me too much. It it does not. Every now and then, like every now and then on a Friday when I'm not working and I'll wake up some of those mornings and, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I don't really need the alarm. So it'll be like 525 and I'll be like, oh, man. 
I got work, and then I'll sit there for a second and be like, oh, wait, wait, no, I, I don't have work today. It's Friday. So that's always like one of the best feelings in the world. But I haven't had the midweek, wait, what day is it today type of thing, at least not lately that I can remember. Why you having Recently that? on a Sunday, I had the Ooh. I woke up and I thought it was Monday and I was like, oh, man, we got to do the show. And it's like, I thought, well, like, what happened to the weekend? Where the weekend go? Oh, wait, it's still the weekend. But this morning when I woke up, I legitimately did not know what day it was. <laughs> I was legitimately lost. And of course, I'm at the age now where when things like that happen, that if it happened, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, I just would have thought, well, OK, that just happens. Now you were my age. It's like, okay, is it all coming down? (laughs) Where is it? Where's that hint? Where's that foreshadowing? If this were a movie, where's that scene that is the clue to the audience that something bad is coming? Is this it? I didn't know what was Wednesday. I thought it was Thursday. And then I just didn't know what day. Like, like, I don't know, Wednesday, third. I don't know. I don't know. I had to get up in bed, and I had to start walking before it finally occurred to me that it was Wednesday. And even then, I was pushing back on the notion that it was Wednesday. It can't be Wednesday. It's got to be Thursday. It can't be Thursday. It's got to be Tuesday. What day is it? But eventually, I came to terms with the fact that it is indeed Wednesday, the 19th day of April, 2023, and the show yeah is i have no doubt about that pft live on peacock series xm85 sky sports action if we're on this i don't again i don't know if we're on we're not on if we're on hello if we're not sorry uh and then podcast where we're always on you know it every day eight days to the drafts all two hours uh let's see tomorrow's countdown clock tomorrow's 420 you got all your joints rolled up you ready to go you ready for the big day right Yep. Countdown so, clock. Yep, it's coming <laughs> soon. Sure. You're not that powerful or magical. Manifesting <laughs> yeah. Countdown oh, clock. Oh, he did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about, 420? I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, it's a it's a good day, 420. You know, it's the the day that everybody likes, you know, Mary Jane or smokes Mary Jane. I'm not even sure. Where'd where that where... come from? I don't know Where'd either. I was just from? about is to it, say. What's is the it... root of it? Like, it could be that 4.20 in the afternoon is the point where everybody's supposed to stop what they're doing and smoke weed. It's like tea time plus 20 minutes. And I know some of our viewers know what tea time is, but not T-E-E. But I, I like I don't get that there's this one day dedicated to smoking weed because my my experience is the folks who smoke it don't need a special day. As an excuse to smoke it, no, no, they, they don't. smoke it when they have it, right? Yeah. Smoke them when you got them. So, they say, "I don't." You know what? Twenty. Pete was in my ear, and Any he did. Day. He did remind me on my podcast last year. We did talk about this a little bit, and he's right. And it had something to do with like the California kids. They get out of school, and four twenty was going to be the time they were going to meet up and smoke. I think that's kind of the root of that. I think I got that right, Pete. Pete would be able to verify, but. Yeah, I think in a roundabout way, I'm pretty close to the root of the 420-ness there. Still, it seems it's a little foggy, it's, it's a little hazy. Like, I don't know. It's not as <laughs> random as like 437, but but still, it's you know top of the hour, bottom of the hour, four o'clock, 4:30. Maybe it was supposed well, to you be know. four, but be, but since they were all high, they were like, ah, oh, man, late. I couldn't get there. I'm a little late. I'm moving slow. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I got 420. I'll see you. Not four. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Those are the kind of folks who wake up in the morning and they don't know what day it is. And they at least have a legitimate excuse. <laughs> yes, they do. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they do. 
Uh, all right. Anything else to get to? Before I, we nah, get I got, to I got nothing to today. To I'm, to. I'm happy really today because like, I don't have any more, uh, players on my draft radar, right? I, I'm done with, you know, basically the top 200 guys of the draft per se. And yesterday was my last day of evaluations. I had about eight to nine guys left at the safety position. So I'm all done. That's like a huge relief. It's just a huge relief that I don't, I know I don't have to, you know, check a few names off the list every day or that list just gets longer the next day. So uh, I do feel good about that. Are you making some comment on the relative importance of safeties to the game of football by doing them last? <laughs> no, no, you I'm do not. quarterbacks first. I know you're right. No, I, I well that you know it, it's not a great safety class. We do usually orchestrate it, you know, a little bit according to strength of the position, sexiness, when it makes sense, whatever. Yeah, and safety is. Uh, I'd be shocked if we saw a safety in the first round this year. I don't think that's happening. And how dare you, for However many years you've been doing this right. consecutively, ignore the class of kickers, punters, and long <laughs> yeah, snappers. Right, what How a jerk you. I am. I, I barely know the kickers and the punters in the NFL. I mean, I, I really, I had to lean on Pete doing the all-pro voting because I was like, wait, what's that? What's what's his name? The damn kicker? Wait, what punter? I couldn't, I, I, I have a hard enough time with there. So it's I, I need to study up in the NFL, let alone college. I used to know all the kickers and punters without having to even ask myself. Right. And I don't know whether that's just a function of, like, when you're in the business, there are priorities and you have to spend your time wisely. And knowing who the kickers and punters are automatically is not part of that. I think it's a product of back in the days when I had football cards and they did devote that's right cards right that 528 card set to the kickers and the punters. Players weren't changing teams as much. Yeah, right, right. I think that's it, too. You had the, the same kicker. Roy Girella was the kicker for the Steelers forever. Right. Fred Cox was the kicker of the Vikings forever. Exactly. The Mickemeyer brothers were floating around. I always thought that was so cool to see their names on the football card because it was spelled Mike Dash Mayer, the tight end from uh, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Your man crush. But it was Mickemeyer. It was pronounced Mickemeyer. Uh, it's not. It's not a man crush. It's just a. It's just a fascination slash curiosity as to what this guy is going to do in the NFL. Because he's either going to be really, really good, or he's just going to be a complete and total bust. There's no in between. That style is either going to translate and work against NFL caliber defenses, or it is going to be complete and total failure. That's what fascinates me about not Mickemeyer. But Mike Meyer, yeah, coming from <laughs> Michael Mayer, yes, the yes. NFL, so, <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, uh, all right. Sorry to the kickers and the punters and the long snappers. Yep, sorry, you're not getting Chris ranked. Is not evaluating you this year. No tears when it comes to there, but there may be <laughs> tears. T e a r s from the kickers, punters, and long snappers out there. Scott Fitterer, more from him, the guy that we have established looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a tie-in to earlier in the week when Nick Casario said he feels like. Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street. Scott Fitterer looks like Leonardo DiCaprio in some future role that would require him to be larger than he usually is. Here's Fitterer from yesterday on the question of whether or not the Panthers have decided on who the first pick in the draft will be. No, you know what? We're still going through the process. You know, obviously through the, this whole since February, the combine and everything else, there's been some clarity but we've made a conscious effort to keep an open mind about this, be continuous throughout the process, 
Uh, we have our the last kind of group in today. We have the coaches, you know, Wednesday and Thursday of this week, and at that point, we'll get together and kind of make that decision. But there, we've got some clarity through this process. With that said, Scott, we saw yesterday that Bryce canceled his last visit. Yeah. Has there been communication to him that he's the pick? No, there has not. And, you know, that, that was a decision he made on his own, and uh, I just refer you to, you know, his reps and to Bryce as to why. Uh, yeah, well, look, it's not some sort of game that he's playing. He's not trying to speak something into existence like people thought maybe Drew Rosenhaus was doing by cutting off the Jalen Carter visits at the top 10. So, the but do you really think they don't know right now? Do you really buy that? Like, yeah, they, they don't know? know? Yeah, they of course. Know. Right. It's What happens Thursday night next week is the ultimate reality show about nothing. I was on with Rich Eisen yesterday and we were talking about this, how the draft could be done by group text. You do not have to have a production. You don't have to have anything. No one's there other than the commissioner and the players who show up. They're the stars of this show. It is meaningless to do it in any venue, Radio City Music Hall or any city, but they do it and 300,000 people are going to be there over the course of a three-day weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in Kansas City. But you don't have to do that. There's, there's no mystery to it once you start, but the mystery is who's the first pick going to be. So they got to keep it somewhat close to the vest. And I would suspect 345 Park Avenue is somewhat chagrined by the reality that we, we now know it's, it's Bryce Young. When the commissioner walks out to the podium, gets booed, and then announces the pick, it's going to be Bryce Young. The draft begins with pick number two, and I'm sure the NFL is not thrilled about that. And the NFL wouldn't be thrilled about the Panthers telling the world right now it's Bryce Young, even no. if they know it's Bryce Young. I'm expecting to call in the next week. Chris, it comes every year. The perfunctory check-the-box phone call from an executive at NBC reminding me that the NFL doesn't want any of the folks working for its broadcast partners to tip picks, even though it is the simplest parlor trick you can do. I've been backstage at the draft. They are lined up four picks deep. You don't have to know many people in the NFL to know who the next pick is. I don't do it because the audience doesn't want it. The audience wants that moment of here comes the commissioner with the pick. They don't want to find out from anybody but the commissioner. If it was any other way, I, 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 I'm sorry. I would take my chances and ignore the director from 345 Park Avenue. It's just a coincidence that that's what the audience wants, and I don't want I don't want it. I want to find out when the commissioner tells the world. I hate it when somebody texts me ahead of time. I hate it when it's on Twitter and my son tells me, hey, here's the next pick. I want it. It's, it's you know, 40 yeah. years of watching the draft. Sure. I want to find out from the commissioner. So I think that's why. They're being coy. Remember back in the days when they would, pre the 2011 rookie wage scale, the team with the number one overall pick would, would sometimes them. sign. Like five days to the before. Contract. Right. Weeks before right. sometimes. Yeah. You could do it. You could negotiate and sign. And well, why would you do it? Because back in those days, there was more to negotiate. And if you were the team with the first overall pick in the draft, you could talk to several different players and whoever does the best deal, you go ahead and put that name on the card in advance. You do the contract in advance because there was a lot broader range yeah. of what you can negotiate. Now there isn't, so there's no point doing it. And the league doesn't want teams to do it. No, no. I mean, yes, we, we know. It's, it's a big show. It's the theatrics. It's the draft. I'm excited for it. I am. I don't care. I mean, yeah, number one we know is Bryce Young. But 
Number two, we got no clue right now. And we got a lot of, you know, two through nine, ten. I think there's a lot there that we don't have a clue about. So it is going to be good reality TV. Uh, you're right. You just can't pay attention to social media and get, you know, get the answer to the test like 15 seconds before it actually gets said on air or on TV. Uh, I understand that. I do. You know, I don't know why. Why does Carolina, why do they have to say, though, we know who it is? Why can't they just say we know who it is? Why do they have to go, well, we're still having a group discussion here? Like, I, I, I don't know. That's where I just go, uh, you lose me there. It just becomes like total BS. And I don't know if I want to listen to anything else you say during the press conference. You know who you're taking. We're a week out. Come on. There's no way they're still like, hey, let's have another meeting one more time and go over. Is it Stroud or Young? This is too far down the road now. They completely have a lean and have a feel and know where they're going to go. That's that's where I was questioning. Why can't they just say that? You're, you're right. There is a point at which it looks ridiculous for them to not know who it is. How can you not know who it is? eight days away you've done everything you've talked to everyone there's not some magical piece of information that is going to fall out of the sky between now and next thursday night barring an 11th hour or 12th hour as the case may be gas mask bong video but look at how the attitudes have changed toward that i don't think anybody would even flinch at that now the laramie tunsil remember that landed just as the draft was starting Back in 2016, I believe it was. Something unexpected could happen. That's fine. You can still have a decision made. And something unexpected happens, and you pivot if it happens. But they surely know. I I just think this is about staying as close as possible within the good graces of the league office. They don't want anyone undermining the, the, the ratings for the first half hour of the draft. Because... If everyone knows it's Bryce Young, there isn't the same urgency to tune in at 8. You tune in at 8.20. You show up just like the stoners in California did. You show up 20 minutes late to the party, and there goes that big ratings number. They want everybody to tune in at 8, not 8.20 after the first pick's already been made because everybody knows who the first pick is. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, we know that. We know that. It's all about dollars and and selling the, you know, advertisements. Here's the other thing, too, and and Pete said this, and I had forgotten that this kind of went down yesterday. Uh, Levis and Stroud were there in the building yesterday in Carolina, so they had to say that. That's why they said that, because they didn't want to make it look like, oh, uh, this is a waste of a visit or whatever else. So that probably played into that too. You know, I, I would think that's part of that as well. And you know, within that, yeah, it's also weird that they're taking a visit that late in the process. Anyways, it kind of almost looks like a throwaway visit, really, when you add all of that up together. So that's kind of interesting as well. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. 
VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Why would you even have them in if you know you're taking Bryce Young? Are you doing research in advance of either facing them in the future or possibly wanting to evaluate them in the future. I, you know, you're allowed to have the 30 visits. You may as well do it, but why aren't you doing it on guys that you're seriously considering drafting? That's what's odd to me. Why go through with that? If you really have your mind made up on Bryce Young and who knows, maybe, maybe, maybe it's maybe that close. Really yeah, maybe there's something CJ Stroud or Will Levis could have said that changes their mind. But here's the thing. Yeah. It's not like they haven't talked to these guys already. Yeah, that's these right. Top 30 visits. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, it could be the third time no they've met with all. Right. What's that? Well, right. So, some guys had no visits at all. And the reason you have no visits at all is there's no further questions. Like the guys who have the most visits are the ones about whom there are the most questions. So I, I don't, I don't, I, again, I, it, it puts a little doubt in the process, but not much. The betting no, market, no, I will not. defer to. Yeah. Bryce Young is the pick. And if it's not, they've done one hell of a job of concealing it. And if it's not, maybe David Tepper has, has kept his mouth shut and he's going to start talking over the course of the next week and he's going to push the needle away from Bryce Young. I just feel like... Somebody already opened their mouth. That's why the needle went to Bryce Young. I feel like it was C.J. Stroud, and it's Tepper who got it to Bryce Young. That's my gut That It feels like that. nothing to base that on. Yeah. But that's what I think happened. Yeah, I I hear you. It feels that way. And, And I think he's the guy that the owner, okay, I'm not trying to be disrespectful... But I'm putting it in quotation marks as far as the owner, because he's an owner of a football team that made his money and his way in the world doing something else other than football. He'd be the guy the owner falls in love with. He, you know, the charisma, the million dollar smile, again, the way he plays, right? It looks cool. Like, show our highlights again. Like, show our Bryce Young highlights, guys. It looks cool. But what I want to tell everybody is like, it was a seven yard throw and it was a. 14-yard out route, and we go, it looks cool. All right, great. But look, I mean, some of the throws is just like, okay, whoa, whoa, a five-yard out by the, whoa, okay, that was, you know, here's a cool release, right? So this is to me where he can fool people. That's cool. That's great. I mean, that's a that's a great athletic throw. But to me, it sometimes it's a little bit more about the showman than what it is, and that's what I worry about because I worry about if he's going to have – you know, the advantages he had at Alabama and the NFL to pull this off. And then, of course, I do worry about, yeah, power throws, game-changing type throws into type windows. And then, of course, when the pocket collapses, right, there's very few throws of the pocket collapsing around him and him making a big-time throw in that situation. It's few and far between. 
Those are the things I worry about. But, damn, there's some other throws where you go, ooh, that looks amazing. And that my point is I, that's the guy the owner, I think, would fall in love with. And, and I think a lot of people have. And, again, I know I'm lower than most. So, you know, I, I certainly could be wrong, too. This gets back to something we discussed within the context of Anthony Richardson. Superstar potential, but questions and concerns. So if you're the coach of the GM who may only have one shot to go get a franchise quarterback, you're going to be leery about the concerns. If you're the owner who's going to be there over and over and over again and just wants that franchise altering quarterback, that guy who is a superstar, you're more willing to tolerate the short-term factors that could get coach and GM to play it safe, to shy away. And obviously, with Bryce Young, the issue is height and weight. Scott Fitter addressed the size concerns as it relates to Bryce Young yesterday. Here's what Fitter had to say. Well, I would say this. uh, When Russell Wilson came out, I think he had three balls batted down his senior year. Um, You know, Bryce had two. So if you're talking just about Bryce... Uh, you know, this doesn't seem to be an issue. When you grow up, uh, you know, a shorter quarterback, you learn how to, you know, evolve your game and, and adapt and see the field. What about Bryce's weight? I mean, there's a lot of people that yeah. think he's going to play at 195. Is that a concern for durability and longevity? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, nutritionally we can do some things uh, to educate him. Um, you know, we get him in the weight room. You can see when you really look at his lower body, his lower body has gotten bigger. He, you know, he's put on a lot of mass down there. A lot of times, quarterbacks don't want to lift upper body because you get a little bit bound up. Um, but there's some things he's going to naturally put on size as he ages as well. You know, again, going back to to Russ, I think he came out at you know 200, maybe he might have been 206 pounds. He's at 220 now. I mean, guys just grow. Um, that's something he can control, and that's something we can help him with. We can't control the height. And, you know, it's encouraging to hear him say that because the weight, to me, is the bigger concern because the physics aren't on your side if you're a smaller guy. You get hit, you get shoved, you get thrown to the ground, and what happens? Helmet strikes the turf. Concussion. Helmet strikes the turf. Concussion. Three times last year, officially two, for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. That's my concern. I'm not worried about the height. You can work with the height. We've seen Drew Brees. We've seen Russell Wilson. To a certain extent, we've seen Kyler Murray. Yeah, I know that there are going to be coaches out there, as you've said in the past, Bill Parcells, below a certain level, I'm not interested. But it can still work. Of course it can. What doesn't work is if he gets shoved after he throws the ball, he falls down, strikes his head against the turf, and gets a concussion. That's a problem. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Because franchise quarterback needs to be able to play. No. And you can't be yeah. missing two, three games at a time because you got shoved by a guy that weighs 275 and you don't have the strength. You don't have the mass to keep your body from ragdolling through the air and your head from striking the turf. That's the key, and we just saw it last year. Yeah, no, we saw it last year. You could see inklings of it when Bryce Young plays, you know, like I said, I think in my breakdown. He takes some hits, and you go, oh, my gosh, did a Mack truck hit him? Oh, no, that was only the Nickelback, who's 205 pounds, and he flies through the air. So that's where you go, well, it's going to be a different guy hitting him. And, you know, even into that, he played through injury last year. I mean, he was hurt to start the year. He was not himself. He missed a game, right? Maybe two. Was it a game or two? Either way. So, it, it like, it's a being swept under the rug a little too casually. And there were, like, two, okay, Russell Wilson didn't have a lot of passes batted down. What is the one thing, I mean, Pete could tell you, you, you know this, but Russell Wilson doesn't throw the ball in the middle of the field. 
I mean, that's because of his height. There's no doubt. There was an issue with Drew Brees with that as well to a degree, unless it was like right here, right? So, you know, it is going to be part of a problem. And he's not going to have Alabama's offensive line to have space and then, oh, wait, here Jameer Gibbs, here's a screen and all that. The game is going to be different. See, the job is to project it to the NFL, and that's where he scares me, right? There was no problem with Tim Tebow's throwing until he got to the NFL. We went, oh, he, he can't throw. Oh, no. Oh, you know, Tua, as you're seeing, like, I mean, we had injury concerns, but it's gone like, I mean, he's hurt every year. And we, we're, we've even forgotten about the injuries the first two years just because last year was so bad. We forgot that, oh, he had the broken rib and got hit in a few other times and had other issues too. That's what scares me ultimately is just the projection of it. The player is good, no doubt, and you're right. But it's the NFL, it's a different game. And the points you bring up definitely scare me without a doubt, Mike. It does just because uh, it's it's not going to be the same as Alabama and, and having some of those advantages there. And here's where the organizational dynamics impact the final decision-making process. The coach and the GM worried about the things we're discussing. The owner willing to reach for the brass ring because his job's not on the line if they get this wrong. If you're the coach of the GM and you take the stand, and I mean, think about it. It's as simple as this. If Fitterer and Reich are C.J. Stroud guys, and if Tepper is a Bryce Young guy, and they go out on a limb and they push for Stroud and Tepper relents, you want to deal with that stress every day for the next five years? You got to pay attention to Young. You got to pay attention to Stroud. You better develop Stroud because if Young ends up better, you got to deal with Tepper. Yeah, you got to right. constantly hear it. Yeah. And Tepper strikes me as the guy who wouldn't let it go. I'm not making a personality judgment here. I'm not being negative. I'm just trying to assess the human that I've detected from afar. I've never talked to him. I've never met him. But I've seen him speak enough times. I've seen enough quotes attributed to him. I've seen him in enough press conferences. And I've just gotten enough. And just to how, you know, you don't, you don't make the money he's made in the business he's been in as a hedge fund manager if you're a shrinking violet. You are a type A double positive personality that speaks your mind, that goes after what you want, and you get it. And that's, to a certain extent, the American way. Right. But in this context, stay out of his way. In this context, if you do something that the boss didn't endorse and it goes sideways, boss is going to let you hear about it. Boss is going to find out. It may just be. It may be kind of a funny, jokey, snarky way, but the boss is never going to let it go because the boss was right and you were wrong. Even if you remain employed, the boss is not going to let you forget he was right and you were wrong. No, I, I, I think that's a very real aspect. Yes, no doubt. But you know, they, there's the other side of this too, and and maybe they all do like Bryce Young. You know, I know we're trying like, oh, maybe there's a little bit of a civil war going on in the building. But th- listen, reasonable minds can certainly think that, hey, that that all of them do like one guy for sure too. You know, even though we have these concerns, and I'm sure they have the concerns too, but, you know, I mean, just the way Scott Fitterer has talked about the subject over the last two two weeks, or at least the last two times I've seen him, you know, they seem to be at ease with that part of the, the equation. And, and l- listen, there's lots of people out in the NFL that are at ease with, with him at quarterback in the situation. You know, again, like we talked about, some teams are a little different than others, and the height thing is not as a big a deal as it used to be. But the durability thing is definitely the, the concern there. And, yeah, there are. There's plenty of teams out there that are 
very comfortable with Bryce Young and what he is and the way the NFL plays now that they think he can last. So, you know, we'll see where this all goes. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it just seems like all signs are pointing towards Bryce Young, Carolina, and that's kind of a done deal. Our coordinating producer, Matt Casey, who when we last heard from him was trying to get us to clean up our language, keep trying. <laughs> yeah, but keep he trying. Chimed in. He chimed in with a great part. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Chris, don't don't take the bait. Uh, but but he did chime in with a good point. Fitterer has kind of tipped their hand by talking about what they plan to do to help Bryce Young. We can help him. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to get him in the weight room. Like you're, you're, the it's train's down the tracks. Right. When right. you're when you're outlining the things that you already plan to do for the guy that you supposedly haven't made a final decision that you're going to draft. So that's a CJ, valid, valid point. Will, Way to go, Matt I Casey. I hope you enjoyed your trip to Charlotte. You wasted your time. I'd love to be party to some of these conversations when you're a Will Levis or a CJ Stroud and your agent's saying you need to go visit the Panthers and they're like, why am I wasting my time? We know that I'm not going to, or, or are they just so confident slash delusional that they think they're going to show up and change the minds of the people? In well, maybe some of that too. Uh, yeah, I think that, but yeah, I think I, yeah, but it's, yeah, no. I, I think it's a great observation by Matt. It's, you don't talk about that issue with that kind of detail and just the way that he was right. saying it. It's not something that felt like ifs it felt, like yeah, when kind of when, right. Coming We're going to get them here. We got a plan. They've yeah. already thought about it. Weight room and diet. They thought about all those things, right? So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It will. Uh, but, yeah, it just seems like it. all signs are pointing there. And that, that's where, again, I think the drama of the draft and everything there, yeah, we might not have it at number one. But, Mike, you might get your wish at two because I, I, I do feel that that's a toss-up in the air right now. And then we'll see where the hell this goes from there because it can get real exciting and fun. Speaking of ifs and whens, it wasn't if Allen Robinson would be gone from the L.A. Rams. It was a matter of when, and they held on to him. They carried his cap number. He's got guaranteed money this year, and they were waiting for a trade partner. And look, yeah. I, 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 I am amazed that the Rams found a way to win a Super Bowl because they have screwed up so many contracts in recent years. I mean, some of the worst contracts we have ever seen in the salary cap free agency era from the L.A. Rams, starting with the Jared Goff abomination that they eventually had to attach a first-round pick to to get off their books. This Matthew Stafford thing is a mess, the deal they gave him after winning the Super Bowl, and the Allen Robinson free agency signing, the guy that was taking the place of Robert Woods, the guy that was going to help the offense stay where it was. It just didn't work for whatever reason. There was a lot of hype, a lot of people excited about what Allen Robinson could do for the Rams, for fantasy football teams, coast-to-coast, and it was a disaster. And they finally found a trade partner. And I was stunned when I saw that the Steelers would trade for him because we've talked many times about how the Steelers can just throw a dart in the draft and find a great receiver. <laughs> Why do you need to trade for a 30-year-old receiver with a big salary? Why do you have to give the Rams anything of value? Well, this is – I mean, it's they should have just cut him. I mean, it's, it's – I'm, I'm sorry. It's not funny, but it's hilarious – for Allen Robinson, plus a seventh-round pick, yeah. the Rams get a seventh-round pick. The Rams move up 17 spots in the final round of the draft. The last round of the process, the round of the process where I don't care who you are, 
by the time it gets to that point in the draft, you are just saying, can they get this damn thing over with? Mm -hmm. 17 spots up in round seven for Allen Robinson. And the Rams are going to pay, Chris. I thought this was a typo when I saw it. The Rams are paying $10.25 million of Allen Robinson's salary this year, and the Steelers are paying only five. Yeah. Unbelievable. Horrendous contract by the Rams. I, and maybe Stan Kroenke's got so much money he just doesn't care. But at some point, who in that organization is going to start holding people's feet to the fire, whether it's Les Snead, Kevin Demoff, Sean McVay? Who is it that's pissing away the boss's money on these deals that they just shouldn't be doing? It is astounding to me. Yeah, well, it's only coming home to roost, like, right now. It's like the it's – like you know, the I'll be nice for Matt, producer Matt Casey, the SH dot dot, okay? It just hit the fan. <laughs> Thank you. All right? It just hit the fan. So the owner is probably just going like, oh, damn. Well, we, we did do a lot of crazy contracts the last four or five years. I maybe didn't realize it. I was kind of just being an owner and watching the games, and we were winning, and that's great. But, yeah, it, it, it's been frivolous. We knew that. And it's really coming home in a big way. And, you know, with Allen Robinson, sure, overpaid him, whatever. I mean, they saved, what, $5 million or they $5 million of cash and then, what, another $5 million on the salary cap, right, Mike? It freed up, I think, ultimately. So, right, because he had a guaranteed salary right. and they moved the salary off the books and it freed up $5 million in cap space, but they're paying $10.25 million yeah. to free up $5 million in cap space. Right, right. And, it's, it's an, and he's not even going to be playing on the football team. Is and that how they sell it? Is that how they sell it to Stan Kroenke? Stan, we saved $5 million in cap space. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what they do. And he's like, oh, damn. There goes my diamond-encrusted toilet seat that I wanted. Then they just go, right, okay, you'll have right. to deal without it. But but either way, you know, I, I will say that He doesn't want anything. I, no. He doesn't he, want He's anything. already got it. He, so Whatever he wants, he's got. Yes, he does. No doubt about it. But, okay, so here's the thing. One, the Steelers, right? You and I, we know they got the magic touch, the the Midas touch, their their eye for the receiver. There's something there they like about Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson was stuck in a spot last year again, and I'm not trying to say he's as good as he was maybe three, four years ago, but I think he was stuck in a spot where he didn't really get to show what he can do. The team never kind of got rolling to where he could, you know, find a rhythm within the offense and a spot in the offense. And then Cooper Cup gets hurt, and he wasn't supposed to be the main guy, and just everything got mix, mixed around. He's going to a situation now where, yeah, the Steelers are looking at it going, wait, we are evaluating this guy, and we think he can still run routes, and he's got good size, and he can run still, and we don't want to do it in the draft, right? So let's get him now for what? just losing 15 spots in the seventh round and we got to pay $5 million to a guy that, you know, I think they probably look at and go, damn, he's, he's still got some gas in the tank here. And then it'll have a real legitimate role. I think when you couple Deontay Johnson and our uh, George Pickens, who both are pretty damn special. And now you got an Allen Robinson who can work the middle of the field and find a role that truly just makes sense for him. I think that's where it could be really good for the Steelers. And uh, I think this fact that the Steelers got made the trade happen, Mike, it, both of us should just go, well, yeah, he definitely has something left in the tank if the Steelers see it at receiver. We know that. They're amazing at that position. Well, <laughs> but, but, but think about yeah. Allen Robinson's 
one-year life cycle with the Rams. Oh, he shows up. Right. And Matthew Stafford can't throw to him. Exactly. It's can't just, throw to him in the offseason. It was one thing after another. Right. Training camp. Training camp, everybody's tiptoeing on eggshells about Matthew Stafford's elbow. How do you ever get yourself properly ensconced in the Rams' offense? And then, when it's time to play the games, what does Matthew Stafford do? He relies on a security blanket, his binky. He keeps throwing to Cooper Cup, throw to Cooper Cup, throw to Cooper Cup. And and you know what? Defense is figured out. Let's just force him to throw it to Cooper Cup, and we'll go tackle Cooper Cup and— or defend Cooper Cup because that's where it's going. Just yeah. let it no. let it go. They can't run. They, they don't have run. any other weapons in they the offense. Protect to throw the Pitch ball down catch. the field. Yeah, right, right, right. Pitch and catch to Cooper Cup is not going to be sustainable. So Robinson never got a chance to really develop in that offense. He never should have signed with the Rams in the first place. And my guess is, if he had known that Matthew Stafford wasn't going to be able to properly help him, that's going to be an interesting question if and when he speaks to the media about his time. In LA, I wonder how truthful, because one thing we've learned about the Rams in recent years is they do have a tenuous relationship with the truth organizationally. And I know that a lot of sports teams don't tell the truth from time to time, but the Rams would be number one in the power rankings of not truthful organizations right now, dating all the way back to the lies they told in St. Louis, for which they eventually had to pay more than $787.5 million, frankly, in settlement. So um, I'd love to know what Allen Robinson knew. What was he told about Stafford? Because if you're Allen Robinson and you want to go out there and have a good start to your career, I think it's a fairly important question. When do I get to work with the quarterback? When do I get to develop the rhythm, the comfort level that I need to be comfortable? Because everybody assumes it's him. Gets back to what we talk about with draft busts. When a guy busts, we assume it's him. Maybe it's the coaching staff. Maybe it's a supporting cast. Maybe there's other circumstances that conspired to keep the guy from being as good as he can be. And this, you know, this watch Allen Robinson have twelve hundred yards this year in Pittsburgh. Watch it happen. No, I I, I mean I, I think there's you know I don't know if it's twelve hundred yards, but do I think a guy that could flirt with a thousand yards or maybe even get there is you know does he still have that in the tank? I do, I do. You know, and I think that's why this is a perfect spot for him too because he's a guy that like okay. You know, I think in the Rams' perfect world, they were they were maybe thinking, hey, Cooper Cup, we get Odell Beckham Jr. at some point, and then we're gonna have Allen Robinson, and he'll take some, you know, he'll take advantage of some matchups there, and that's where I think he'll have a little bit more of a uh, a recipe for success with Pittsburgh. Now, Pickens is gonna create some mismatches. They're gonna have to pick your poison. You know, wait, Pickens is the kind of guy that's gonna start like, oh wait, we might have to double him from time to time. Deontay Johnson could do it all, and Allen Robinson's a guy that, you know, he can win on the outside, but you'd almost have him rather have, like, a a big slot receiver at this point in his career. You know, on the outside, he's not going to beat you and go deep for an 80-yard bomb, but, you know, he's a good route runner. He's got some size. He's going to catch back shoulder balls, do all that, right? But I think really where he can make his money is in the middle of the field, almost like a a Keenan Allen type of player at this point of his career. And I think that's where he can have some real – success for this uh, Steelers football team and you know you couple him with those two receivers Fryermuth at tight end you know Najee they get that old line going and of course the quarterback you start to go ooh Steelers got something working there if they can just get that old line straight second year quarterback Kenny Pickett will have the opportunity to get the most out of Allen Robinson it was a second year quarterback by the name of Blake Bortles who connected with Robinson for 80 catches 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns back in 2015. Yeah. So 
I, look, he's the never, Rams were just desperate yes. to unload that contract, and I think the Rams, the Rams are going to look bad when the Steelers make Allen Robinson look good. I, I I don't disagree with that. You're right. It's going to look. It's they're going to take some heat for that. And but but like you said, there's a lot of factors that go into that. The Rams, of course, are you, you can blame them. Yeah, I mean it's it's all. It's all kind of coming to a tipping point for them as, as far as all the things they did. And like you said, a little bit of reckless spending and, you know, F them picks and all that. Uh, you're looking at a team this year where I don't know what to expect from the Rams, but it's hard to look at their roster and go, oh, I think they're going to be a player in the NFC. No, I, I don't see that at all. Here's all the more reason to be curious about what Allen Robinson will say as to his one year with the Rams. Because, look, you could – Consider the situation and say, for all the reasons we discussed, we understand why last year didn't work. Well, maybe this year it'll work. Matthew Stafford's healthy. He'll be there for the offseason program. At least he's healthy for now. Maybe they can make it work. They still need help at receiver. Yeah, they do. They're going to pay him $10.25 million anyway. Who cares about the extra $5 million? Who cares about the 17 spots in round seven? I just wonder if the relationship became fractured, not because the Rams decided they couldn't continue with Allen Robinson. Maybe it's just Allen Robinson saying, I got to get the hell out of here. They, they, they threw my career completely off track last year with the way things went. I don't want to be here. And this is just another example of them trying to brush something under the rug, trying to avoid looking bad, just like they did with the Matthew Stafford-Jared Goff trade. They picked the team where they could insert Jared Goff into the trade and not have people realize they were giving up a first-round pick to get rid of Jared Goff. I just wonder, and I hope, that Allen Robinson at some point will will bear his soul and vent about whatever it is he may have to vent about what happened last year. Because this this wasn't, you know, it, it's kind of like when, yeah, Zach Wilson, we talked about it earlier in the week. Zach Wilson wasn't some reach by the Jets at number two. It was widely accepted. Right. He was the second best prospect in the draft. Right. And it was widely accepted that Allen Robinson was one of the top free agent receivers available last year. This isn't some crazy contract. This isn't like, you know, Christian Kirk when uh, everyone was like, what the, what the hell are the Jaguars thinking before the rest of the market soared past what they gave Kirk? This was something we looked at and thought, yeah, good move by the Rams. Yeah, right. they needed to do this. Yeah, That's oh right. boy, hey, the rich right. are getting richer. Right. We, no one said, no one thought, no one suspected this was going to be a disaster. So somehow it became a disaster. And there's a story to be told there, I think, beyond what meets the eye as to why it became a disaster. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. You know, I think we've hit on some of it there, you know, as far as, hey, the, the, the play on the field, the roster itself, you know, Super Bowl hangover, right? All of it. It all started to crumble there. And then they started to, you know, no OBJ. You know, we showed the, the list of and the depth chart of the receivers the Rams have right now. It's not very impressive. I think a lot got put on Allen Robinson. He got put in a spot a little bit to where, like, you know, they needed to be the guy or, you know, a little bit more of the guy than maybe they wanted to or what he can handle at this point of his career. And that's where I go back to this is the perfect situation for him here. He's not the guy anymore that's just going to be like, hey, command double teams and, oh, my gosh, you leave him one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to get burned, and we can formulate the whole offense around him. But a really good number two, right, that kind of guy, or like a really, really high-end specialized number three, which is what he's going to kind of be here with the with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, this is right in his wheelhouse. And, you know, they could create something here that's, 
you know, similar to Cincinnati in a way, where you just go, hey, we got three guys that create mismatches across the board, and this is their this will be their Tyler Boyd, for lack of a better way to say it. And look, before we throw too many rose petals in the Steelers' direction, let's consider this. Yeah. Nobody else wanted this guy. Nobody else out there wanted this guy. So if the Steelers are right, everybody else was wrong. Because look at what they gave up to get him. They gave up nothing, relatively speaking, to get the guy. Yeah. That tells me there was no offer out there that was better. No one else out there was saying, I got to get Allen Robinson. And and it may just be the taint from last year. But still, the Steelers stand alone, $5 million, and downgrade by 17 spots in the seventh round of the draft to get Allen Robinson. Robinson I'm, I'm me, guessing so the Steelers by the way. have a big book on Allen Robinson. Being from Penn State, you know, Western Pennsylvania, I would I would bet you that they know the person and have a lot of information on the guy that made them feel comfortable with, you know, making the move. And it goes back to kind of the sweet spot of the years when, and they still can do it, Drafting receivers who turn into great players. 2014, Kevin Colbert, that secret sauce that he's so humble about. Uh, that he's led us to believe it's institutional. And Omar Khan he wants told us, us to believe it was yeah. Kevin Colbert. Right, right, who yeah. really knows what the truth is. But this would suggest that they're going back to Kevin Colbert's old notebook from 2014. Right. And what's in there is telling them, we got to go get this guy. And, and frankly, I, I look at it this way. If any of these other teams that were just turning away from the prospect of trading for Allen Robinson, if they knew the Steelers were in it, that may have changed things. Oh, right. No, doubt. that the Steelers want the guy makes you think, what am I missing about Allen Robinson? Right. He's one of those uh, guys. They're one of those by the Steelers. It's like the Patriots, like with DBs or something. You know, there's other teams we could talk about where you just go, Oh man, the Patriots like this DB. This team's trading. Uh oh, they're going to make them. I mean, yeah, there's, there's teams that have a niche there. And, uh, yeah, this is one that certainly makes you, you know, it would make you panic a little bit about the Steelers getting them because of their track record of that position. So I'm getting emails about the origin of 420, and as expected, it's all over the place. <laughs> the plurality of the emails I've received are telling me it has something to do with the code violation. Okay. The 420, that it's the police lingo. But you know what? That seems too easy. That seems too simple. It's a 420, right? 10-4, That's a 589. I don't know. I'm just going off the emails I got. So uh, the most recent one I got, 420 was the section of the law that banned Vanibus. So I think whoever sent that may have been into some Vanibus this morning. It's cannabis, not Vanibus. So uh, regardless, I think Vanibus sounds cooler. Well, that V and C are next to each other on the pad there, you know, on the uh, computer. Uh, That's true. That's that's where he got. He's a little off right there. I'm trying to look, but we'll get to the bottom Uh, of this. I want to know this, too. Oh, we absolutely will. And and also the question I've gotten is, are you actually going to work tomorrow since it is 420? Are you going to call off? Damn. Do you start smoking at midnight? Like, how does that work? But or do you wait until 420 on 420? I would like to. Can I not come in tomorrow? That'll be fine with me. I feel I'm a little tired. I've been do- I haven't had a day off in a while because of the draft stuff, like I told you. So if you want to let me have day off tomorrow, I'll, I'll kick it back. It's and- not up to me. Oh. Hey, 
I'm always the last one to know that you're you not going to be you're, here. And you're I a usually great find boss out as late as possible. Yes. Like they're afraid to tell me, right? <laughs> like I remember when you went to Miami and I found out the day before you left. <laughs> right. It's like, right. oh, you're not going to be here tomorrow. Well, that's news to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right. They don't seem to tell you. It might you might be kind of important. Uh, well, they might. They know you're going to be hurt. Oh, Your no. feelings are going to hurt. They don't want you to get you down in the dumps. That. I won't be there, but I, Hey, listen, I'd love to, I'd, I'd love to, you know, we could have fun with the show tomorrow too. If I come on, I mean, Peacock, they want to expand their horizons a little bit here. We could have fun tomorrow at four twenty live at 7am. I can send something down to you real quick. Why don't you FedEx. Just, let's see if we can get it down there. <laughs> why don't you just eat an edible right before the show starts or hey, however long it takes before the show. Starts I know. Yeah. I don't, in. I'm not an edible guy, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Hey, studio six here at NBC sports. They look like they have a good filtration system here. I think I can, and it, it's a small little studio I'm in here. I could hot box it here and we could have a hell of a show tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time I were, hear the term hot box, I think it's something else entirely. But uh, either way, it would not smell good. All right. Uh, let's oh, 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 and here's here's some more. Somebody has done some research. Pete, I missed it. Some say 420 is code among police officers for marijuana smoking in progress. Some note 420 is all Pete. Really? It's also Adolf Hitler's birthday. Well, Why would you put well, that what's in that there? Got what to do with does it? that I mean, have? Nobody... What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> but okay, so he's blaming it on Time Magazine. But what does Hitler's birthday have to do with smoking weed? Those would be at the two exact opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Some go as far as to cite Bob Dylan's "Rainy Day Women" number twelve and thirty-five because. 12 multiplied by 35 equals 420. Wow. To put it bluntly, those rumors of the history behind 420 and, and April 20, they're all false. The most credible story, here it is, we're finally getting there, traces to Marin County, California. In 1971, five students at San Rafael High School would meet at 420 by the campus's statue of chemist Louis Pasteur to partake. Right. They chose that time because extracurricular activities usually had ended by then. The group, Steve Capper, Dave Reddix, Jeffrey Knoll, Larry Schwartz, and Mark Gravich became known as the Waldos because they met at a wall. <laughs> they would say 420 <laughs> to each other as code for marijuana. That's awesome. I like that. I like that too. We're better than any others. Right, right. Definitely better than Adolf Hitler's birthday. What the <laughs> what hell? The that hell was the right that is right. I did not right. expect today. <laughs> Let's take a break. Jalen Hurts is now the technically highest paid player in league history. Did Lamar Jackson actually turn down a better deal last year? We'll delve into that when this Wednesday, and I do know what day it is now, Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.